Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for being with me here on Radio NL. It is Thursday, May the 7th. Got a good show lined up for you here today. I'm going to be talking with, uh, you know, about plans to start getting back to school here in the Kamloops Thompson School District. I was able to have a brief chat with SD73 Superintendent Allison Cito earlier this morning, so I'll be revisiting that chat in just a little bit. And to end off today's program, well, I'm going to be speaking with the president of the Kamloops Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Tyson Andrew We're going to go over the BC restart plan that was unveiled yesterday and what it means for the local business community. But to kick off today's show. Well, I'm going to be sticking with that theme of the Restart Plan, and I'm joined on the line now by the Mayor of Clearwater, Mr. Merlin Blackwell. Merlin, how are you today? Good, thanks. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, taking the time. Really appreciate it. So, uh, I guess one of the initial things that we're kind of looking at as we go through this Restart Plan, right, one of the first things that is going to be set to open is Provincial Parks. Horgan, uh, John Horgan announced yesterday, you know, on the 14th, so the Thursday prior to the long weekend, that Kim, uh, Provincial Parks are going to start opening for uh, at least initial day visits. So, uh, first, uh, I guess a reaction to that announcement. I mean, you got to be pretty happy to start seeing some of this, uh, you know, economic activity begin again yeah for sure uh, you know wells gray park up the road here in north thompson a provincial park right in town here two of our larger uh, keystone tourism attractions here um, so it'll be really good to see the crews uh, that used to be my employees actually getting back to work and uh, sprucing up the parks for day use and then hopefully a rollout into overnight camping uh, when the next phase kicks in here in the next little while um, you know uh, bc parks here most places are completely designed for physical distancing they have a lot of space between campsites usually and uh, i I don't know about you, but uh, pretty much everybody I know has cabin fever and really, you know, ironically wants to get out to the bush or the cabin to get away from the current uh, stuck-in-your-home kind of cabin fever. So I think it's a great opportunity. That's one of the first things that will start up again. Yeah, and I was going to ask how much, you know, traffic to Wells Gray matters to, to clear water in the area. I mean, just how critical is it to have some foot traffic coming through there? You know, when I started out, uh, my first year in, uh, in Wells Gray was 1989, and it was, you know, it was a bit of a big deal. It was, uh, you know, six or seven million dollars is kind of what we figured it was worth to the local economy there. But uh, over the years, with all the extra hotel rooms, the fly and drive uh, tourists from other parts of the world and Alberta and, and the United States, it's now you know, well in excess of $20 million. Some of the numbers that we've seen in the last few years have put it over 30, and we were headed, you know, fairly strongly upwards towards, you know, $40 million economy um, before all this started. So, you know, it was it was matching, getting close to matching what the forestry economy was worth in town here. So we've got our new Best Western uh, uh, motel, hotel coming uh, up right now. It's being constructed. It's supposed to open this summer. So we really do need to get even if we got a localized uh regional tourism economy going here again it would be fantastic news for a lot of the operators here 
Yeah, and and you mentioned you know how provincial parks and specifically Wells Gray, you know, it's it's kind of set up to allow for physical distancing, so there shouldn't be too many concerns when it comes to people you know having to congregate in large groups, um, whether unintended or not. But is there any fear at all, I guess, about people potentially flocking to the area? Just because you mentioned everyone seems to have cabin fever these days, they want to get out, and when we see provincial parks opening, and one of the first things that we're going to be allowed to do, I'm going to make the assumption that a lot of people are going to want to take advantage of that fact. Is there any concern that maybe too many people might show up at once oh for sure there is yeah there's definitely concern in that community about inviting people back and, and i think the premier stated it quite well if there's a provincial park in your area in your local region then you know i think uh, for the north thompson that probably does include camels for wells gray on day trips and that sort of thing um yeah, use those parks. Um, don't be going six or seven hours or four or five hours uh, out of your way to come to Provincial Park. And I say about Wells Gray is there's so many trails. There's there's so many day-use areas in that. Um, that There is that opportunity, even with quite a few people here, to keep your distance. I think the big thing that they're waiting on, and, and that's why there's been some delay on this, especially for the overnight camping part, is how do you, you know, do routines how do you do cleaning how what's what's the mechanics behind this um and you know that that was my business for 30 plus years and uh you know i have a deep understanding of the limitations of the current bc park system when it comes to that how things were run so as citizens when we go out into these places i think we need to think of ourselves as uh somewhat self-contained when it comes to bring your own hand sanitizer, your own bleach wipes. If we're going to use the outhouses, you know, bring something a little extra to, uh, to do a cleanup and that sort of thing before you use those things and just be a little bit more prepared. Uh, than you normally would, and and I think we can make this work. Well, and, and I think that's a, a good point to make, uh, to be a little bit more prepared. We're starting to see a lot more of these materials available again, right? I mean, when you know six weeks ago first happened, you couldn't find hand sanitizer anywhere. You couldn't find Clorox wipes wherever you went, but it looks like some shelves are starting to be restocked with that kind of stuff, so it does make yeah. for hopefully a, a, a safer trip out to some of these parks so people can, in fact, actually clean up after themselves. I think that's a, a really important point to make. Um, yeah. You know, have you had any concerns or issues, not concerns, but have you had any issues with people, um, you know, maybe breaking any rules and coming up towards the Clearwater area through this? I know a lot of uh, smaller communities were, you know, basically telling everyone, stay away, don't come here. We don't want, uh, you know, un un uninvited guests really in our communities right now. Has that been a concern at all or anything that you've had to deal with in Clearwater? Well, not so much. I mean, I, I talk uh, fairly regularly with the mayor of uh, Ticino, Josie Osborne, and, and uh and GQ and, uh, and Fernie there who had issues with people coming across the Alberta border. And I think uh, Tofito's issues are quite well known with, uh, you know, issues with people coming over from the coast and trying to flood in Tofino and, and actually in the States in the early hours of, uh, of COVID. So wanting to come and visit Tofino. Uh, Wells Gray, fortunately, our season really starts uh, May 1st. And it, it starts rather slowly because we're snowed in. Um, this is one of the heaviest snowfall winters. Uh, on record, I think it broke at least a 30-year record here. So, uh, Helmican Fall snow cone was was spectacular. But you, you know, other than that, you really couldn't get into anywhere, you know, unless you wanted to tunnel through the snow. So that kind of helps. And there is one slight hitch in all this uh, at this moment for Wells Gray opening up for day use. So you know, keep posted on the actually ironically drive BC because there is a bridge at the mush bowl uh that would allow you access to helmican falls and most of the stuff in the bottom part of wells Gray, which may not be done 
for day use for that May 14th deadline. It's, it's, it's actually highly doubtful. So if you're thinking Wells Gray even for day use, you want to actually start thinking towards after the long weekend. Um, and definitely then, you know, that'll sort of more align with the uh, camping season. But there's lots of stuff in the bottom part of the area around Clearwater, Spahats, Trophy Mountain area. Um, that's quite, you need your snowshoes for Trophy Mountain, but everywhere else there's a lot of lower elevation hiking trails that uh, you can get to right now like mole falls which is absolutely amazing all right some good tips for people looking to plan some trips i like it uh here with the uh, mayor of clearwater merlin blackwell now one thing that i did want to ask while i have you on the line too is you know you talked about uh earlier last month i believe it was with us anyway that uh, the shutdown of bc parks could have a bit of a silver lining and the fact that you were potentially able to you know have more space to do projects like wild wildfire fuel mitigation as well as restoring trails and campgrounds so i wanted to get an update on that work you know how has that gone here over the past month well you know i think bc parks has been heavily reacting to how they're going to operate our covid19 i have heard that there is going to be some fuel management work uh, started at the spahats uh, park area which is you know it has a lot of pine tree uh, damage from pine beetle there's some fir tree um, damage in there well as well from windstorms and from fir beetle so i, I was informed yesterday that they are going to do some work in there um, as far as trails and the like i know some planning has been done uh, the regular park crews will hopefully be getting on those the, the park operator crews that do most of those will be on those the next little while um, in anticipation of opening for days um, and then uh, there the, the, the big critical one for safety was the mushbowl bridge which is an MOTI uh, transport project and it's getting done and it's specifically because they had this opportunity of uh, having the park closed uh, because of pandemic that they could take two weeks to rebuild this bridge that's uh, it's one of those vintage one lane daily bridges looks as scary as hell so anything they can do to make that look better is two thumbs up for me so right on well uh, i think that's pretty much y'all while i have you here merlin anything else that you want to add while i have you on the line uh, the only other thing we got going on uh, this weekend, we have our uh, social distancing car cruise in Clearwater. It's a rolling car show. Um, it's uh, 11 o'clock starting up here for people in town. Um, I'm mentioning it not because I want necessarily people to come from other towns, but I think it's a great idea for your small town or even Camus to do a neighborhood rolling car show. You stay in your car, you drive a route for an hour or so, everybody sits in their lawn chairs and waves, and, and I'm really excited. I'm going to take my classic out, and we're going to, we're going to do about an hour drive around town with a with a convoy. We're, we're expecting almost 100 cars for local classic, so it's going to be good. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I know the weather's getting nicer. I'm seeing a little more uh, of those nice cars uh, out and about and uh, taking their tops down and, and, and the like. So not a bad idea. Something for us to do. I mean, we still had a couple of weeks before we can go to the park here, so we'll have to do yeah, something in the sure. meantime. <laughs> yep, yep. Awesome. Get out well, there. Thanks so much, Merlin. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's the uh, mayor of Clearwater, Merlin Blackwell. Well, let's take a quick break here. And coming up, well, I'm going to be talking about schools and what's going to be taking place here locally to get kids back in the classroom. So stick around, and the Jeff Andrea Show will be back right after this. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show, and thanks so much for being here with me on Thursday, May the 7th. 
Hope you're having a good day so far. So yesterday, of course, B.C. Premier John Horgan unveiled the province's restart plan. And part of that plan will include getting kids back into the classroom. We've seen virtual learning taking place over the past number of weeks. Uh, positive outcomes there, but it's not perfect. We want to make sure we can do a dry run between the beginning of June to the end of June. We're not anticipating any increase in, in class teaching until well after the long weekend. Now, it is obviously going to be a cautious approach, but as the Premier noted, returning to the classroom is about a whole lot more than just getting that in-class instruction. Are there concerns? Absolutely. But there's also an overwhelming desire desire to get back to a place where we can have kids interacting with each other, learning uh, about not just how to read, how to write, and how to, to count, but also how to interact with other people. And he went on to reinforce the social aspect and mentions, you know, how he has been hearing from some young British Columbians about their desire to, more than anything, see their peers. It's not just about reading, writing, and arithmetic. I answered a question from a young viewer who wanted to get back to school to see her friends, and, and that is a reasonable thing for young people to do. But we want to make sure that's done safely, and we don't want anyone to feel that they're obliged. So, now that the province has set forth a plan, it means, of course, that individual boards throughout the province can start making their own manuals for how to go about getting teachers back to school and having students in their classrooms. What will that look like? How will physical distancing rules be enforced? How do you make sure that nobody is coming to school sick? Well, I caught up earlier today with the superintendent of School District 73, Allison Sino, to talk about that plan for the Kamloops-Thompson region. And we'll play that chat here for you now. But initial reaction to what the Premier had to say yesterday and the fact that, you know, it looks like schools are going to start having, not normal, but, uh, you know, the ability to start reopening here come uh, come at least late May, early June. So uh, just, I mean, was that expected and, and happy to see that move being taken right now? Oh, I am. We have uh, been engaged with our parents through online learning, and certainly priority students have already been in school. Our teachers have also been scheduling time in schools, so it's not uh, difficult for us now to begin to expand uh, the number of teachers that are in buildings. And we are in the process of finalizing plans for a K-5 to return to school, a partial day return to school, uh, starting as early as May 19th. Although we, we are not able to make any final decisions until we hear from our provincial health officer and have uh, the guidelines in place. Anything we do will be done thoughtfully, uh, carefully, uh, and with all safety measures in place. But... Yes, overall, uh, I think we're all relieved to see uh, a bit of a return to normalcy uh, with the, the economy restarting and the potential for kids to be back in school. It, it, it is something to celebrate. Um, one of the things that I saw was coming as a part of this sort of, you know, partial relaunch plan was there's going to be some daily screenings for students, right, to make sure everyone's, you know, not coming into school sick and things like that. Do you have any idea what that looks like right now? Is that something that's been discussed or is that, uh, you know, something that you'll kind of work towards and figure out how it might work? Well, we did have a, a meeting yesterday with uh, the Ministry of Education and the Minister, and that was discussed. We do believe that uh, the Provincial Health Officer will provide some guidelines around what that screen may look like. But my understanding is that it would be simply interviewing uh, staff and students who may uh, have some symptoms of a cold 
or a flu. Uh, it'll just be making sure that everybody who needs to be at home uh, is at home and that we don't have people with any symptoms coming into the building. But, you know, our staff are really responsible. Uh, we've been practicing that for a while now. Uh, so we'll have to wait to see what the exact uh, interview questions look like, but we anticipate it'll be something very um, simple, such as some interview techniques. Yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, wh- when you do start to see kids start coming back, um, you know, wh- what sorts of changes are you going to have to make? Just because obviously that physical distancing um, measures, it's still going to be in place, and I know desks can get pretty uh, packed together when you get into some classrooms, and I'm sure not everyone's going to be coming back to school in June, but uh, there's probably going to be a lot of kids who are excited to do so. So, um, you know, how is that going to work? Is that going to look a lot different that in classroom uh, part part of it well safety first and in order to meet the guidelines that the provincial health officer um, has uh, in place for us we won't be able to serve every uh, student in the class at the same time so students will be coming back to school but they'll be doing that on a schedule we're working with our principals today and they'll be working with their staff to determine what that looks like Uh, we have a tentative idea but we're we're running that through our school leaders uh, to make sure that it's something that uh, they can implement and of course because they're on the front lines they see things that we don't always think of so we won't be in a position to kind of rule out the full plan probably until early next week and then we'll be letting parents know what to expect once we get the green light to go ahead k to five perfect and i guess just a uh, last question here allison because i know you got to run uh just you know excited to to have this in-class learning get back i know you said you know happy to see the premier taking these steps but i imagine you know teachers and students alike are pretty uh pretty eager to get back to back to the school well, you know, we actually had trouble um, um, asking teachers to not be in the school. I think teachers feel very comfortable in that collegial environment, and they were practicing social distancing and hand washing and all the protocols right from the get-go. We asked teachers to work from home mainly so that we could get our custodial staff uh, into the building and our maintenance staff to do some work um, in an un- unencumbered way. Uh, so I, I don't anticipate uh, any challenges with the staff returning, but we'll do that thoughtfully. And again, with all the safety protocols in place. And, you know, there has been uh, a significant amount of fear, I think, across uh, our public, you know, around what this means. And so we want to do this in a very gradual, measured way so that we're responsive and able to respond to any needs that arise or any concerns that arise. We've got a really good model in place with our essential workers school. We've got cleaning protocols that are working very, very well. And uh, those health and safety guidelines will be our starting point as we move forward. And I anticipate that they won't be much different than what the provincial health officer puts into place, but we'll wait for those uh, recommendations or guidelines and we will practice them in a very uh, thorough and measured way. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Allison. Really appreciate the call. Yes, and I look forward to being able to give you more details about our plan uh, sometime early next week. Perfect. Well, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Good. Thank you so much, Jeff. That was the superintendent for School District 73, Allison Cito. So a couple of points there for me, one uh, being the date that we're talking about here. So the premier had stated in his comments yesterday that it is not anticipating any increase in in in-class teaching until well after 
the May long weekend, but Cito had said that it is possible that school could start to pick back up, at least for those kindergarten to grade 5 students, as early as the Tuesday after May long. So a little bit of a contradiction there, but I think Allison's basically talking about best case scenario where the Premier's trying to be a little bit more cautious. So we'll get some more plans on that next week. Like Allison was saying there at the end, hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity on exactly how things will start to roll out next week. So we'll definitely be uh, following up here, and I'll, I'll bring that to you when I can here some point next week. Now, uh, you know, there's no real trying to get people's hopes up. So I'll say there's likely some sort of middle ground probably in there with the Premier saying, you know, things not really kicking in until June and Allison saying something along May 19th. So it's probably somewhere in between those those two time frames where the wheels will really start to turn. At least that's my anticipation. And, and again, uh, we'll, we'll get an update on that here for you some point next week. Now, the other point that I did want to reinforce uh, is just this daily screening. Again, it's not totally finalized what this is going to look like, but, you know, checking anybody and everybody that walks through the door for cold or flu-like symptoms sounds like something that could be pretty time-consuming. And I know that I have often resist resisted being totally truthful when people ask that question, you know, when someone says, how's it going? There's really only two acceptable answers, right? Like it's, I'm doing well or... I'm doing okay. You never want to ask someone how they are and then have them tell their whole life story and start unloading all their problems. I shouldn't say nobody wants that, but, uh, you know, it is important if you have some problems and you need to get that information off your chest, then you should do that. But don't think the other person that you might be pouring yourself out to, that stranger that said, hey, how's it going, is looking for anything more than an I'm doing okay. Now, I'm sure that process will be a little more complicated than just a quick how you doing. But it sounds like, you know, there could be some uh, reliance here on, on honesty. And, you know, that's not just a school thing. This is a total professional workplace uh, thing that we're going to have to deal with here moving forward, uh, not only in British Columbia, but really across Canada, right? The resistance to come to work sick. It's something that's not always easy to do. If I have the sniffles, if I have a little bit of a, a sore throat, it's hard for me to just say, oh, I can't come into work today. But that's the attitude that we're going to have to have going forward. Now, of course, when we're talking about a school setting, we're talking about kids. Kids can be brutally honest, especially when we're talking about kids who are five to 10 years old. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, things will be worked out. It's going to be a little more complicated, like I said, than just, hey, hope you're doing okay. Let me know if you're feeling unwell. It'll be more complicated than that. But what those details look like yet have not yet been finalized, but I'm uh, very curious to see what that will be like. And uh, like I said, Alison Cito will hopefully provide a bit more uh, clarity on some of these questions here next week, but they're still working through that plan, right? The Premier just announced this restart plan yesterday. It's going to take a little bit, a little while for everyone to sort of work out the kinks, work through the details, find out exactly how everything is going to break down. Well, with that being said... What does this mean for the business community here in Kamloops, right? We talked about schools. We talked a little bit about parks here earlier in the show. But what about individual businesses and specifically those right here in Kamloops? Well, I'll take a quick break. And then coming up afterwards, I'm scheduled to chat with Tyson Andrikew, who is the president of the Kamloops Chamber of Commerce. So please stick around. And the Jeff Andrea Show will be right back. opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for being with me here on Thursday. Of course, as the province unveils its restart plan, businesses, I am sure, are eagerly awaiting the day that they can start to reopen and start serving clients and customers. I'm joined on the phone now by the president of the Kamloops Chamber of Commerce, Tyson Andrew. Tyson, how are you doing today? Great, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Hey, how thanks. are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for taking the time. Really do appreciate it. So, 
just initial thoughts on yesterday's announcement. Was there anything in there, first and foremost, that I guess was was surprising to you? I mean, I'm sure we were all anticipating, a, you know, not not everything relaunching right away. We were probably expecting a two-week two window before we start to see things kick in. Was there anything else that really uh, came as a shock to you? No, I don't think there's too many surprises, um, thankfully. I think any surprise at this point would probably be, um, you know, detrimental either on the business side or the health side. So um, so I think most of this was uh, relatively expected. And, and, and I would say just my initial thought is that, and the thoughts of our members that have, have reached out so far that we've been able to reach, is that it, it's just it's a really good positive step forward. Um, it's great to have a little bit of clarity uh, in in what the road to recovery looks like. Um, and we're just, you know, eagerly awaiting some more details and, uh, and what's, what's the next step for a lot of our members. Yeah, and in terms of those details, just wondering if there's anything more specifically that you are looking for. I mean, when we're going through details, I mean, I'm sure, like you said, you've been talking to some of your members already. Is there specific points that people are really trying to, to figure out, uh, you know, specifically where, where they can go? Well, I think you know some of the some of the key industries that you know, and there's been a lot of talk about it, is, is restaurants and, and pubs and bars and that sort of thing. And uh, it, it does sound, you know, according to the announcement yesterday, that um, there's going to be the opportunity for those to open up within the next couple of weeks here, which is which is fantastic news. So it's just more so around details around what that looks like. Um, we, you know, the chamber's uh, happy to see that the government's collaborating with with industries um, with specific. Um, Industries that represent those businesses, because um, obviously those those associations will be um, they'll, they'll be great uh, partners in formulating what that return to work looks like and that return to business looks like. Um, so we're just kind of waiting on on those sorts of uh, uh, details to to emerge. Um, is is there any I guess um, you know concern from business owners that you've spoken to that? You know, when they start to, to ease things up and we start to be able to go visit, like you said, some restaurants and, and maybe some retail locations, uh, that those stores are going to look quite a bit different, right? And when we're talking about tables, I mean, it's it's not too difficult to imagine a, a restaurant spreading out their tables to make sure that we all have our uh, nice degrees of separation that is required. But, I mean, is there any concern that there's going to have to be maybe some retrofitting? I know there's been a lot of talk about these, um, you know, the, the windows that we see at grocery stores and things like that, that those are might be something that other businesses might put into place is there any concern from businesses that this might cost uh, any you know more dollars than they're willing to spend to, to just get reopened at this stage of the game well you kind of touched on it there the uh, occupancy limits for for retail and for uh, for restaurants is, is one of the specific details that that'll have to be ironed out and the nature of it is that you know, uh, a lot of restaurants, if, if you're going to put a 50% cap on them, it may not be worthwhile for them to, to open. Um, you, you know, sometimes the kitchen is, is set up in such a way that you, they can't operate at 50%. You know, it, it requires too many cooks in the kitchen, if you will, um, to, uh, to actually put a, put a meal together mm -hmm. and to run all the stations um, that, that, you know, if they're only allowed 50% of their customer base to the door, that it, it won't work for them. So... Um, so those details obviously need to be ironed out. And yeah, there is a lot of concerns there, and there, there will be some some businesses that will likely have to uh, retool how their store flows and 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 how their business operates um, if they if they are able to to make a go of it, kind of in that initial phase that, as was discussed in the announcement yesterday.
So now that uh, you know we have these initial plans announced about what is going to happen here moving forward, still looking for some details like you had mentioned here, um, but. Uh, you know, obviously there's got to be a, quite a bit of excitement from, from the people that you're hearing to that the, they are allowed to at least think about reopening. And I'm imagining that they weren't allowed or they were able to do some planning, but without any knowledge of what things would look like, it was hard to really plan for the future and, and organize your business accordingly. I guess, are, are you thinking that more of your members are going to be able to really start to get into those details of, of what their shops and stores are going to look like now? Absolutely. And that's, that's really the, the best thing that came out of that announcement yesterday was that we've got a timeline. Um, you know, no, no one, the uncertainty is, is hard for everyone. And when you're trying to operate a business and plan, plan what it looks like, uh, the uncertainty of when you can start doing that is, is a real killer. And, and uh, um, it's, there's a lot of anxiety built up from that. So I think um, the best thing that, we, that we've got is we've got an idea of what the past looking forward looks like. Um, there's obviously a few little details to be ironed out. Um, and uh, the chamber, that, that was kind of our key, what we, that was our key messaging over the last month or so, is that uh, when, we're, when we're talking to our counterparts at BC Chamber, who um, thankfully sit on the Premier's Economic Task Force, we, we really wanted to know what a, a timeline. We needed to have a, a roadmap laid out um, so businesses can plan and uh, and figure out how, how they're gonna how they're gonna make a go of it. Um, and it's it's too bad that you know some businesses have fallen through the cracks with some uh, some of the measures that have been taken and uh, taken already, right? Some of the programs that they may not apply to. So it's too early to tell if if this roadmap um, makes it possible for them to uh, to be able to reopen. But we are certainly hoping that now with a little bit more certainty ahead that those that had to uh, to close their doors will be able to reopen. Yeah, and so, I mean, we're in phase one now, like was announced, and uh, most of the planning that was talked about in, in terms of our future for two, two plus weeks from now is about that phase two. And then as we get into phase three, which is, you know, three to four weeks after that, so we're talking probably into July at that point almost, um, and then phase four is, is vaccine. I mean, are those groups that are involved in those phase three and those phase four um, businesses that could, uh, you know, start to see some movement there? We're talking things like, uh, you know, hair salons and whatnot, right, that have a little bit more difficulty when it comes to distancing is there a lot of pressure on them right now to figure out a way to alternatively offer some services because I'm, I'm assuming some of those places simply can't wait another six weeks yeah uh, you know based on some of the surveying that we've done um, across the whole business uh, landscape in Kamloops is that you know most most businesses um, they've got they've got cash flow concerns they've got you know enough to survive anywhere from 30 to 90 days um, with with little to no revenue, so obviously when you start looking at it's it's already been you know 45 days or mm -hmm. so, um, and they're staring down the barrel of another 45 days. It's obviously going to be quite concerning for some of those. When you start looking at kind of phase four and and the wind you know the July and beyond window there, um, you start looking at businesses that need the uh, the to have a gathering of 50 or more people, yeah. right? Con concerts, um, the art, you know, night theater, clubs, symphony, yeah. nightclubs, that sort of thing, bars, um, or, or yeah, yeah, bars and nightclubs. Um, that, that, this become, the announcement yesterday really um, puts it into perspective for those, uh, those businesses mm -hmm. that they might be a long ways off, which is um, one, one of the really uh, unfortunate aspects of the, 
of, of the announcement was that it doesn't seem like there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel um, for those. So, you know, having the opportunity for the event industry that relies on, on those larger gatherings, right, weddings, that sort of thing, um, it, it's a challenging time yeah. still, and and we'll hope that maybe some some future clarity will uh, will arise that will. Will, uh, improve their chances of uh, of making a recovery. Yeah, well, I know I'm ready to uh, go gather with some friends and, and maybe go to a bar or something. But uh, it makes like we could be a little ways away from that. So disappointing in that regard. But at least we're seeing some some movement here. So thanks so much for taking the time, Tyson. Really appreciate you coming on and, and shedding some light on how our business community is doing right now. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Awesome. That's the president of the Kamloops Chamber of Commerce, Tyson Andrew Well, that's about time for me to wrap things up here. So I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll be back here on Friday at noon.